I do appreciate this time of the year very much, where we, in a sense, kind of assess the past 12 months. A couple days from now, we will close the chapter officially on 2014 and open up 2015. And you've heard it from me in the past, and you will hear it from me again. But I will remind you, we regularly need to be... um, refreshed with what matters in life. And so I tell people all the time, look around you, what do you see? You see chairs and walls and lights, a building. It's not going to last. Uh, We look outside and we see streets and curbs and cars and trees and hills. Uh, I'm not being a pessimist according to the truth of what we see in Scripture. All those things that exist out there, they will not last forever and ever. There's two things, and as we roll into another year, there's two things that we know will last, and that's why I believe it's a very important time. It's, it's imperative for us to be reminded of what really matters in life, all the movement that's going on, okay? The souls of mankind, people, the souls of mankind will last forever and ever and ever, and what? The Word of God that lives and endures Forever, So you can look around, and we got really cool things underneath the tree. They're not going to last forever. Two things, the souls of mankind and the Word of God. And so as we, in a sense, position ourselves to um, walk through the threshold of another year, we have got to know what is important and what lasts, okay? Uh, Dan just led us in worship, but it is so important as well for us, I believe. I know for my own... Uh, requirement of asking the Lord to direct us. Would you bow your heads with me and we'll pray again as we prepare to receive the truth um, of the gospel. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, as we come before you, as, as Lord, I, I stand before these precious people. I realize, Lord, what is at stake with what matters, what lasts, what will not last. I thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of those that are here this morning and for uh, their willingness to come and to hear and, and Lord, willing to to receive truth and allow that to, to germinate and produce the fruits that you desire. Lord, standing before these people, I am so unfinished and inadequate, and so I desperately ask for you to give me what is necessary communicate clearly. Guard my lips and tongue. Help, Lord, me to not say anything that would not bring glory to the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for the reminder of what is important. And as we get a glimpse of that this morning, I would ask, Lord, that you would allow your Holy Spirit just to race through our lives and and to, to rearrange, to redirect, Lord, to convict perhaps, to awaken us, to quicken us to see you, to hear of you. And Lord, as we walk through the doorway of another year to serve you in 2015 as we've never served you in the past, more faithfully, more fervently. God, that is our prayer. We ask, Lord, that you guide us now. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Uh, You are preparing for it Wednesday night around midnight. 
Uh, it's always a neat time. We gather and we watch the ball drop, or we're with family and friends, or playing games. Some of you, hopefully most of you, will stay up. But then what, Thursday morning, a.m., around 12.01, a new year commences. And what do we have? We have tools preparing us even now for that. Uh, This past week, I purchased, as many of you did, a new day timer, a planner, whatever you want to call it, a calendar. And, and we're starting to fill in. This is what has to happen in January and February. And we begin to book things out in, in, in July and August because we are oh so important. And so we're booking things that far ahead. Yeah, right. Uh, um, we, we plan and we need to plan. But I want to remind you, with all truthfulness, you don't have a clue. You and I do not have one iota of an idea of really what's going to take place throughout the course of 2015, over the course of next year. We don't have a a, a clue what God could put us through, where God could could direct us in the next month, next next week. And so we have to have this idea of, of, of what it means ultimately. We call ourselves followers of Jesus. We call ourselves what children of God. We have to be reminded what it means afresh and anew to trust God. That's really what, what, what we're called to do. Because we don't have a clue what's going on. And it's really, really hard. It's hard for me to regularly trust God, to have faith in God. And so I'm grateful for characters, I'm grateful for individuals and people that, that God has given to us in Scripture to teach us how to do this, because this is really hard. And we have one of those individuals today. It's neat to see as you study history and, and individuals that God has chosen to use, it's, it's interesting to find out that certain people have been prepared over long periods of time, kind of been in the right place placed in the right situation, in a sense, preparing them for this great work. And then there's others that just kind of like, boom, they just kind of like blast onto the scene. They just arrive, unheard of, unnamed, unannounced, what we would call today in our our world a, a dark horse, unlikely people from an unlikely past. I've heard it read just this week, just nobodies from nowhere. That's kind of the individual that we're looking at this morning. He's kind of like a nobody from nowhere that God just pushes to the front. And he teaches us something that we need to learn this morning. You've heard of him. His name is Abram, or as God changes his name to Abraham. Interesting to note that Abraham is mentioned 308 times throughout Scripture, 16 Old Testament books, 11 New Testament books. Abraham, a nobody from nowhere, is pushed to the front, and now everyone, everyone knows what they refer to as the father of the faithful. And yet he begins his trek from the most unlikely of places, Ur of Chaldees. Take a right in the middle of nowhere and you'll get there. Arab Chaldees, the center of pagan idolatry in ancient Mesopotamia. His father was a nobody, Terah, not a prominent man. He probably was an idol maker. And yet in spite of this kind of obscurity, God chooses to use this man. He puts his plan in motion. So much so that Abraham's name is now esteemed at the very highest. 
Do you realize that Jews honor Abraham? Muslims respect Abraham. Christians adore Abraham. If you were to look at it, it would break down to 57% of all the people in the face of the earth, almost 60% of the world's population in some way or another would esteem this one individual who was a nobody from nowhere. He's a giant who leaps off the pages of Scripture and teaches us how to trust God. His entire story, the exhaustive story, is Genesis chapter 12. We could read it. It would take literally months for us to study it all and end to chapter 25. We could do what I call the Cliff Notes version. We have a couple verses that direct our attention to this individual this morning, and that's why we're in Hebrews chapter 11 teaches us the importance of faith and and individuals, men and women, who have taught us to trust God. What is faith? It is the assurance of things that is hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So as we are planning for, we hope for certain things, we know that what? It's what? It's completely in the Lord's hands. Follow along in our text. We'll pick it up in verse 8, Hebrews chapter 11. We get a little bit of a glimpse of this man that God's given to us to learn from this morning on how to trust him. It says, By faith, Abraham obeyed. We could just pause right there. Wow. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Wouldn't it be neat to have your name attached? By faith, Scott obeyed. By faith, Dan obeyed. By faith, Chuck. By faith, Adam. By faith, Norm obeyed. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Three lessons I want to give to you this morning, the importance of faith that we see from the life of Abraham. The first one is this. Faith is ready for the unexpected, or faith is ready, as I call it, for an adventure. I think we have to look at it like that. It says what? By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out. And it's interesting. It says that he went out not knowing where he was going. We immediately look at that and say, what kind of a plan is that? Does he not have a GPS system in place? Who leaves without knowing? Are you going to turn left or right by the time you get to the end of the driveway? Who who would do that? Well, apparently someone who says, I am completely trusting the Lord's with my life. It's this adventuresome spirit that is really going to be hard for some of you who live by straight lines all day, every day. My dad spent 12 years in the Navy, four active and eight reserves. Years ago, I don't know if they still use it anymore, but the Navy, the U.S. Navy, always had a slogan, a little bit of a hook to draw young men in. What was it? It's not just a job. It's an adventure. 
wow, that sounds so exciting. Let's sign up and give someone four years of my life for that. I remember asking my dad, why was it such an adventure? It's not just a job. It's not just about getting a paycheck. It's an adventure. Well, what's so adventuresome about it? And he said, no, honestly, I think, I, I think the adventure was, his dad explained to me, he said, guys would, would get on a ship and they would set sail and they were never told where they were going. They had no idea what port they would call home from. They had no idea how long they would be out to sea for. They never knew anything. They just did the job they were instructed to do. I thought, well, I don't know if that's very fun, but this is the idea of what God is teaching Abraham. And I believe that God is teaching you and I this morning. God actually calls us to set sail and completely put our lives in his hands. This is so atypical of what our world is like today. I think my dad kind of took some of that adventuresome spirit into our family. That's why we ended up on the mission field in the middle of Canada. What is that? Where is that? Who's up there? Why are we going there? Um, I, I remember one particular weekend as kids and, and mom and dad just said, we're going to go for a drive today. And, and we end up, we had no idea where we were going. We ended up several, several hours later down at the beach. Spent all day at the beach. And we realized, well, it's too late to get home. So I remember dad and mom went to like one of the dollar stores and they bought six toothbrushes, one for each of us. And, and they went to a store, they bought three pair of pajamas, just six of us, and they bought three pair of pajamas. And, and, and the girls wore the tops, and the guys wore the bottoms, and we rented a hotel room, and we just spent the weekend there. And, 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 and we got up on Sunday morning, we went to the beach, we had our own church service. I remember, I remember having this maybe sacrilege, we had communion with Kool-Aid and Ritz crackers on the beach. It was just weird, like, who planned? This wasn't even planned, it just happened. Spontaneously it happened. And we would say, that is so cool. As a kid, we're like, that is so cool. That is so wild and weird. And let's do that. And I thought about it. Even for spontaneous people, we can handle that for a while. That was a weekend. Maybe a week. But what? Think about not, not, not a month, not a year. Think about living your entire life. It makes no sense whatsoever. Think about living your entire life. God, I am yours. And I will do whatever you want me to do, not what I want. We have our plans, our daytimers, our schedules, and we actually have to learn to put them aside to say, Lord, I'm going to be obedient to you today. Is that just totally different? Who teaches? Abraham actually teaches us how to do this. It's called faith. Here's my very rude, crude definition of faith. Faith is placing your hand in the hand of God and being okay with it. That's what faith is. Faith is placing your hand in the hand of God and being okay with it. It is humbling. It is frightening. But I believe as, as believers, we need to be in a place like that. Where are we as a church? We, we have plans and, and we need plans and we are to do. As we move forward, I remember just standing up here a couple weeks ago in my annual pastor's reports and saying, we're moving into some uncharted, unprecedented days for Big Woods Bible Church. 
We're praying about a campaign. We're praying about a, a new building, a renovation. We're praying about a move. We're, we're praying about what, building more bridges to the hurting and the needing that are in this community. That's going to stretch you and I more than we've ever been stretched before. There's the unknown. There's the unseen. But it's what? Us putting our hands totally. Lord, we will do. We will serve. We will be involved in the lives that you desire for us to be involved with. Not the ones that I choose. That's really what it means. As humbling and as scary as this may be, there is a beautiful, beautiful sense of learning to trust God like that. I've heard me use this term before and I will continue to use it. I call it glorious reliance. It's something freeing. It frees us to rest and to trust and to focus on Him and Him alone. About 1930, a bishop by the name of H.W.K. Moole says this, and I quote, The frontiers of the kingdom of God were never advanced by men and women of caution. We are attempting, we are praying about what? Something that has really not happened in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania in the past. We're praying about pushing boundaries. We're praying about what? Removing darkness where Satan exists and abides and causes all kinds of destruction, and we seek to bring the light of the gospel into places that have never been before. It's not going to happen. We're not going to advance that way by being men and women of caution. It's It's so different. People get afraid to advance for the cause of Christ. And so what happens? We sit and we succumb to uh, dullness, complacency. And I, I hate to use this word, but it is so true. So comfortable. Think about it. That's us. That, that's us. That we're more concerned about our own comfort. Comfort has become our creed we live by. As opposed to pressing and to pushing the boundaries Places that God calls us to be, not where we are calling ourselves to be. Great American author Robert Louis Stevenson has written what he calls about hypercaution, and he says this it is nothing less than a dismal fungus. Abraham says, You know what? There will be no fungus that grows on me. If you use that analogy in that setting, Abraham says, I will leave my home. I'll leave that which is familiar to me, I'll leave that which is comfortable to me. Abraham says, I will leave my family. I will leave the career, perhaps as an idol maker. I'll, I'll leave the security and I will chart the course as God being my navigator into the complete unknown. And he did it. But he didn't do it alone. He did it by relying on God. Look at the words yourself in, in Genesis chapter 12, the first couple verses. Here's the beginning of how we're introduced to this Abram. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I love that. It's not blessing for blessing's sake. It's what blessing so what? we can just share and show. I love this image of this one Afghan believer. It says, I will introduce people to the one who shines brighter than the sun. 
I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We look back now through the annals of history and we realize what God had in store. For it was through Abraham that the one who rescues and redeems was born. God told Abraham, I have a land for you. I desire to make your name great. That's exactly what his name is today. I desire to to make your nation great. The country, the nation Israel, still cannot be explained or even understood by the rest of the world today. Why is this one tiny little sliver of land just bursting with blessing? It makes no logical sense. God has promised this. I will make you a blessing. And Abraham believed God and trusted God, so Abraham went as the Lord had told him. He went out not knowing exactly where, but only trusting God. Do you you maneuver like that? Do you move like that? Wow. Well, no, according to the daytime, I'm supposed to be at this place at this particular time, and that's where I'm going to be. Because that's, no, 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 that's not really what God calls us. I'm not saying we're not to plan. I'm not saying we're not to have an order. But what I'm saying is that ultimately, God is the one who has the authority to adjust and maneuver you wherever he wants to. The problem is, is that we constantly push against it. God prompts some of you to say, go and speak with your neighbor and share with them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're like, no, I'm sorry, but I have a appointment to have my oil changed and so i can't do that that that's that's where we have to adjust our thinking and we've got to do it right now we've got to do as we close the chapter in the door to 2014 and we open up to 2015 a fresh new look of god i am in your hands entirely completely does god travel alongside of you directing you do you allow that every single day If your travel plans for this life must be planned out to the tiniest detail before you will ever do anything, you are missing out entirely on what it means to have faith and to trust God. God has something amazingly, amazingly in store for you. Kenny Luck wrote a book called Risk, and I would challenge you to to read that. I don't necessarily agree with every portion of it, but there's some amazing truth that just says, cut the ties. Cut the comforts. Let's stretch. Let's give as we have never given before for this upcoming year. Let's serve as we have never served before this upcoming year. Some of you have sat in these chairs for years and have still not felt led to the right ministry until you continue to sit as opposed to what? Saying, wherever it is, Lord, I'll do whatever. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I remember back, I remember uh, 1989, I just got married. Remember the wall fell down? Mr. Gorbachev here, that, remember that happened? And then, and then it falls down, or, or they took it down. And, and if you remember, as the wall came down, since the symbolic, there was, there was the floodgates of open for the first time of the gospel being allowed to flow openly into the communist blocked regions or behind the Iron Curtain. And so there was this flood, there was this movement. And I remember I, I, I heard testimonies all over the place of pastors and evangelists and they're gathering teams together and they're flooding in there. And I remember I got a call from a guy. He's like, I'm going in. 
I'm like, where are you going, man? He goes, I'm, I'm going in. I'm going behind. What was the Iron Curtain? And I'm going in. I'm going to train young believers to lead churches. I said, well, what's it going to be like? He said, well, it's going to be really rough. It's cold. It's dark. They hate us. They're threatening us. And I'm like, and you want to do this? He said, I can't wait to do this. I'm like, you're going to leave your wife and your three kids and the ministry that God has called to do that. He said, I can't wait because this is what God has called me to do. It was not leaving his family, abandoning them. He's going on a trip to teach them and come back. But he was, he was, he was called to do that. I think about the Montes. I think about Seth next week gets on a plane. I think about uh, Wendy's brother that heads off. I chatted with him this week. He can't wait to get back to what God has called him to do in Tanzania. And I'm like, yeah, but you have Buffalo Wild Wings here. Here. He said, God's called me to be there. It's that idea, ready for an adventure. Wow, here's our second point. We're moving quickly. Here we go. Faith is willing to be patient. Look at verse 9. By faith he went to the land of promise. And then there's this phrase about living in tents. The old King James uses this term, sojourning. I kind of like that term, sojourning in the land of promise. If you think it's tough to have faith that's ready for an adventure, let me tell you this. It's a whole lot tougher to have faith that is patient. And that's what God calls us to do. There's a difference between living in tents in the land that God has promised you and actually possessing the land that God has promised you. So God has given this promise to Abraham, and he's okay to be in there. He's obedient. He's trusting God. He's demonstrating faith, but it's not his yet. There's this idea of living in tents, of sojourning, traveling through, and there is nothing that sounds fun or pleasant or easy about that. Who wants to do that? Yet they're described as, as strangers and exiles on the earth. Not only did they have to do it, they actually got good at doing it. Do you understand this lesson that, that you may not be comfortable by trusting God, by placing your hand in God's hand? Now, this may be very, very hard for you. This, may, this process may go slower than you expected. The trek may be harder. It may take longer. It may actually cause you some, some ache or harm. But Abraham teaches us what? that we, we, are, we are strangers in this world. We're just passing through. We're just tenting our way through. We literally are sojourners in this land. We have to have this idea. I think of Hudson Taylor, one of the greatest missionaries ever. 19th century minister established a lasting work in China. He established a work that, in all honesty, he never completely saw the fruits of his ministry in his own life. But the ministry, matter of fact, the church in China actually thrives underground today. Someone asked uh, Hudson Taylor, if you were to dispense wisdom to a young missionary, a young person that seeks to to, to bring the gospel into a country, what advice would you give them? He said, I have three pieces of advice, three indispensable requirements for a missionary. He said, number one is patience. He said, number two is patience. And number three is patience. Now, is that something that, that we just hate? 
I got frustrated the other day when I drove through Wendy's and it took too long for them to get me my little chili thing or whatever it was. Where'd you go to get the chili? I got important stuff to do. I've got a schedule. That's our life. That's our mentality. I have to come to a place to say to the little girl, thank you so much. Sorry for being so rude to you. Because that's the way that we live. David concurred when he writes what? First Chronicles 29. He concurs as, as what one in this lineage of Abraham. For we are strangers before you and sojourners as all of our fathers were. Putting that in context today, are you prepared to labor and to witness and to pray by faith knowing what? That it may be a long process before you if you ever see the result of your ministry. Are you prepared to do that? Are you being patient with those in your own family as you make disciples, as you, as you meet with them, as you pray with them, as you weep with them? Are you being patient as you share the gospel over and over and over again to your neighbor, to your colleague at work? Are you being patient with the responsibilities and the ministry that God has entrusted into your care? Or have you been doing it now for a solid six months and it's kind of drying up? Are you being patient with the difficult, the unknown stages and steps of the journey? God calls us to trust Him, and you have to get ready to trust Him over a long period of time. Thirdly and finally, faith allows you to know that it will be worth it in the end. I love this phrase in verse 10 of Hebrews chapter 11. For He, speaking of Abraham, was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. He is completely taking our mindset, our focus from here, and he is lifting it, what? Upward. It's the same idea we began this morning. Look around you, all this stuff here, none of it lasts. Two things, the souls of mankind, the word of the Lord endures forever. What, what, what is happening here? He's looking forward to a city. There's so much in this world that is uncertain. There are foundations, there are governments, there are leaders that continually crumble and topple all the time. And yet we are taught the truth in God's word that Abraham says what trusting God is not setting our sights in this world, but setting our sights on the world to come. Wow, that is hard for us, but that's what we're called to do. By readjusting our focus... By understanding some of the trials, the uncertainties, the questions, the problems that you will face. That's okay. This is not your home. Think about some of the hardships hardships that we face when we travel. You ever stopped in those gas station bathrooms before? There's a pleasant place to visit. Can I ask you, when you stop in your, one of these pleasant gas station bathrooms... Do you stay there and, and rearrange things and, and clean things? And I'm just going to make this place as comfortable as I can make it. No, you really don't. What do you, you get in and you get out as quick as you can. Why? Because I'm not hanging there. It's the same idea in this world. That's basically what people are trying to do here. We're trying to what? let our roots go in and we're going to live and die here. And we're gonna... No, no, this is not our home. Our home is built with a foundation that does not crumble. 
I tell you what, the average statistic is one out of one people die. You better prepare for the 10,000, for the 100 million years that come after the 74.4 years that you got right here. That's what Abraham teaches us. As a church, as we walk to the threshold of another year, we are in a place to trust God like never before. It's not going to look exactly how we've planned it. But we're going to say, okay, Lord, our focus is on you. Our focus is on your word. Our focus is on the ministering, the good news of Jesus Christ to the souls of mankind because that's what matters. That's the plan that God has in store for us. Catherine Marshall, author and wife of former chaplain of the U.S. Senate, Peter Marshall, says this, Faith is only worthy of its name when it erupts into action. I love that. Reminds me of what James says. What? Faith without works is dead. So we have this reminder. We have this character study, brief look into the biography of one Abraham, but what? For a purpose. So we don't get up from the chairs and sing a song and say, good word. No, no, we do something different in the year to come by trusting entirely what God has in store for your life, not what you have in store for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you, Lord, for Abraham, and I pray that we would have faith in 2015 and the years to come like he did. In your name we pray. Amen.